Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo. We're doing a basketball show today. Uh, joining me is Chad Markulix. Chad, what's going on? Howdy. Uh, Dan Smith, also here. Dan, how you doing? Excellent. Very good. Uh, Eric Gibson, not here today. He fell down a well. Uh, we're trying to get him out, and when we do, we'll get him back on the podcast. Uh, he missed a pretty... It's a pretty good podcast to miss because uh, it's coming right on the heels of Penn State's 64-62 to loss to Indiana in the Bryce Jordan Center. Nittany Lions fall to 4-4 four and four on the season. Uh, first time we're really doing a podcast uh, when we kind of know what this team is. And we're going to dive into that a little bit. The Nittany Lions, their four wins against uh, North Florida, Jacksonville State, Wright State, and a big win against Virginia Tech. Losses to DePaul, Bradley, Maryland, and Indiana. Chad, uh, I wonder, looking at the season so far, the first eight games that we've seen out of this team, I want to try and start on a relatively high note because I think this podcast has the potential to get a bit somber. What does this Penn State team right now do well, and how are they doing that thing that they do well? What is allowing them to do that? Well, they're turning teams over pretty much. Uh, they're, They're defending very well. On the whole, um, it's keeping them in games because their offense uh, is a little lackluster right now. Uh, got to negative already. It's a good start. Um, you know, I, they just have – it's kind of the team we saw last year, but without the offensive explosiveness uh, that you got from having Tony Carr and Chef Garner in the backcourt, which is just a really sound and fundamentally um, – you know, fundamentally sound defensive unit. Uh, creates a lot of turnovers. Josh Reeves, Miles Dredd, Jamari Wheeler are creating a lot of steals. Um, they have good inside protection between Stevens and even before Watkins got back, they were doing pretty well in defending the twos. Um, with Watkins back now, gives them an added dimension. That's what helped them win the Virginia Tech game. Um, but your defense can only win, you know, do so much for you when your offense is lagging so far behind. Um, they have, it seems like they have a couple of maybe good players uh, in Dredd and Bolton. Bolton looks pretty strong of late after a slump. Uh, against DePaul and in Cancun, um, he's come back kind of nicely, but still, they just—it's hard for them to get more than three or four guys going on offense on any given night. Um, so the defense is again playing very well. It's ranked top ten in Kempom right now on in defensive uh, defensive efficiency in the in the nation, um, but it can only do so much for you. Yeah, uh, Dan, I think you probably agree with Chad as I do that the defense is this team's calling card right now. Uh, I kind of want you to answer kind of the second part of that. What are they doing on defense and what are they able to do on defense that makes them so stout on that end of the floor? They do the things that you would expect Penn State to do, which are hustle plays, are, you know, focusing on the defensive end, you know, staying home, uh, you, know, you know, trying to, you know, to really, you know, uh, you know, lead things to, uh, you know, the strengths of the team, getting Josh Reeves matched up on you know, the opposing team's best player, you know, allowing, uh, you know, a couple of big men and Mike Watkins and, and more John Harris so far this season who, you know, have you know, decent ability to, uh, you know, to hold things down, uh, you know, down low to be able to do that. Uh, and then have, you know, in, in, in a Reeves-like fashion, have a guy like Jamari Wheeler also be able to, you know, harass some wing players. They've got a couple guys who are very good at, at stealing the basketball. 
got a couple of guys who can who can block shots. You know, they have they have talent at you know in a number of different facets in the defensive end, and uh, you know are able to really you know build around that. Um, you know, as well as uh, you know you know a decent you know rebounding team. You wouldn't think with a team that. Um, you know, is, is sort of constructed the way they are that they would be, a, you know, a, a, you know, a very good rebounding team, but probably, you know, do it a little bit better than you would expect. You know, part of that's the hustle, and part of that is just, you know, having some some guys who are, you know, a little more athletic, like Josh Reeves, uh, you know, be able to, you know, rebound bigger than they, you know, their size. So I think, you know, the, um, you know, on defense, uh, you know, that's definitely part of it. And I, and I would say. You know the the things you know that they do well on defense. They also do an offense. You know, I've been pleasantly surprised by how well they've they've done on the offensive rebounding as well. I thought that was you know something that was pretty impressive uh, in their most recent game against Indiana. It shouldn't be that much of a surprise. They were a pretty good offensive rebounding team last year, um, but you know it's uh, you know it, it's still something that you know I'm I'm not really used to seeing out of a Penn State team. Uh, so it, it was something that you know did stick out to me uh, having watched last night's game. Yeah, Penn State last year, seventy seventh. Uh, nationally in offensive rebounding percentage this year. Uh, still very early, they're 100th. Uh, but kind of just going to the, back to the defense for a second, the thing that impresses me so much, I, I love watching how they get after it on defense, what Dan really just alluded to. E- even the young guys, uh, Miles Dredd, you can see that, uh, you know, he's going to have his lapses defensively. Every young guard is going to have those. Rasir Bolton's the same way, but so much of defense is effort. Uh, as long as you're not doing what Jamari Wheeler can sometimes fall prone to, and that is that you know you're going so hard that you play yourself out of position, they seem like they're just a really smart and fundamentally sound defensive team. That, like we said, they're really good at forcing turnovers. This year, uh, you know that game against Virginia Tech, where Virginia Tech won. Uh, what was it? Ten for nineteen from three. Even including that, Penn State's opponents are only shooting 28.8% from three. That's 39th nationally. That defensive end of the floor, like what Chad said, is something that's going to keep them in games. It's going to be something that can probably win them a few games once they get into Big Ten play if they're able to you know, make some of these games a little bit uglier, uh, especially because when you have a guy like Lamar Stevens in your corner, Lamar very frequently is going to be either the best or the second best player on the floor in every game that he plays in. And when he's able to get going, if Penn State's four guys are able to lock down, other four guys and Lamar are able to lock down defensively, that's a big boost and that's a potential trump card. Um, The issue is we're going to get into what this Penn State team does poorly. Uh, And Dan, we'll start with you on this one. What does it do poorly and then are these issues where they can improve if so why if not why can't they do that i mean to me it's really two things that they don't do well one which i think i'll start with the one that i think that they can probably improve on a little bit is uh you know assist on baskets they've had just a, a terrible time doing that really the only guy on the team who's even shown a little bit of ability to do that has been Josh Reeves, uh, you know, really sort of playing a pseudo point guard role on, on the offensive side, uh, just because you know the the two guys who are actually a point guard have you know, really shown very little ability to do that. Um, I think it's something that they can improve on because I think it's something that uh, Razier Bolton can improve on. Uh, I think 
as the season goes on and he gets more comfortable, he's going to be able to do that a little bit more. Um, I have confidence that that's something that eventually he's going to be able to work his way into. I'm less confident in, in uh, Jamari Wheeler's ability to do it just because, you know, I've, I've watched now, you know, a year and a half of him struggling with, you know, even like the basics of uh, entry passes down low. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm probably harder on him than most, but, uh, you know, I, I'm, I've been, you know, discouraged by him uh, in a couple of ways. Regardless of that, though, I, I mean, I think the thing that I'm not sure that they can improve on is that they're just not a good shooting team. And it's, you know, really apparent and really the thing that's holding them back. I mean, that was the their most recent game, the loss to Indiana, a game in which they lost by two. The Really, the only reason they lost that game is because they couldn't shoot. They outplayed Indiana in, in most other facets of the game. We, we just mentioned, you know, the offensive rebounding. That was something that they, they really brought in that game. Uh, they turned Indiana over a lot. And they got to the free throw line. Uh, they, you know, they really did a nice job. They took advantage of, you know, you know, being a home game and, you know, playing a, you know, a team with, you know, with you know, some players who, who were able to get into foul trouble. And what happened was they just couldn't convert in any level. They couldn't score inside. They couldn't shoot from outside, despite getting some open looks. And they couldn't even hit from the free throw line. Um, you know, in what is I, I cannot think of a game from a power five team in which you know free throw shooting you know, looked that bad I, I don't remember a game you know it was 11 for 26 and that you know I I I feel like that almost you know you know uh, undersells how bad it was because it wasn't like you know it, uh, you know one of those like you know, hack-a-shack type game type games where you know they were you know you know 11 for 26 but you know half free throws were you know Mike Watkins and John Hara this was a game where, you know, an eighty-three percent free throw shooter in Josh Reeves was one for six, in you know, and you know, that's the sort of thing where it's just in a close game like that in Big Ten play against a team that's you know right around your own level, you know, it, it it's, you know, you 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 want to use the word like unacceptable, but it's also just like you know how do you even correct that sort of thing? It's just a mixture of this team just not having ability you know to shoot in general. You know they're they're not going to be a good three point shooting team. That's no there's no doubt about that. But then you also have something like that where it feels like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to steal you know Chad's thunder in this too much, but it does feel like you know there's there's you know a bit of a you know the gods conspiring against Penn State sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, Penn State and Indiana made the same number of free throws. Uh, Penn State just shot 12 more than if Penn State had a bad free throw shooting day instead of a really bad free throw shooting day it wins that game like and that's what makes it so it, they would have withstood a big game from Romeo Langford and a bad game from Lamar Stevens if they hit three more free throws which it, and it goes to the yeah. idea that you know the you know this is one where it, it would be really hard for anybody to watch that game to say that it was, you know, any issue with coaching or any issue with defense or effort, you know, all of those things were there. They just didn't shoot. Um, but it goes to the larger point of, you know, people are going to get on chambers for this. And it's hard to blame them because when you drop some of the games that they dropped earlier in the year, like they did against DePaul and Bradley, you know, you've you've you know, really decreased the margin for error. And I'm sure this is something we're going to get to later. But I do think that that's something to, to really highlight there. Oh, there's my ride. <laughs> they're looking for eric yeah well i mean he's down that well so it's not like they have to go too terribly far but uh, well the eric the problem that eric had were, was that i told him that he had a lot of well wishers and he thought that 
he thought that I meant that there was a lot of people who were, you know, really, uh, you know, thinking of him and and uh, and you know, wishing the best for him. But what I meant was that a lot of people wanted to throw wanted to throw him down in a well. They really wished that they could throw him down a well, and he just. He didn't understand that it was a warning, and he didn't heed it, and now you know, it's a disaster. Uh, I, I was going to say that you know the cops were coming for you because you were dropping too many tr- truth bombs, but I do like the uh, tangent we went on instead. Uh, Chad, I kind of want to go over to you. You mentioned, uh, and I think this is telling, when I said, Chad, what is something that Penn State does well? Uh, you kind of reflexively said the offense is lackluster right now in that answer. So my guess is that's what you're going to dive into, but uh, the floor is yours. Sure. Uh, going on what Dan said, um, with regards to free throws, I mean, you know, if the team is struggling getting to the rim or struggling to shoot from three, you kind of, you know, that's the MO is to get to the line. And they did that. So, like, um, you know, you miss 15 free throws. I venture, I venture, I guess they won't miss 15 free throws in a game again this year. Uh, knock on wood. Um, so it's that performance against Indiana was it was equally hard to be discouraged and also at the same time incredibly discouraging because I mean they have to win a game like that um, when they and they get that many opportunities those many opportunities at the free throw line uh, in such a close game they they clawed back had a chance to win at the end um, they drew a play for Watkins a die they used him as decoy Indiana kind of read it and and figured they're going to Stevens which they he did, and he had a chance. I mean, he couldn't even control the ball, so it was a, a wash to begin with. But, um, you know, hard to put that on coaching and hard to not be totally disappointed by the result. Um, so the question becomes, how do you fix the offense? Uh, I don't know if there is an answer to be found, considering this has kind of been Penn State's MO since Chambers got here. It's just a, a lot of, you know, a really good defensive team or at least a team that tries very hard on defense and, and has and this team finally has tools to, to play really good defense as we've seen. Um, but it, you know, I think just the offense is going to ride and die with, with Razier Bolton coming from here on out because he's going to be, you know, he started the last game against Indiana, he played 35 minutes. Um, he's got the keys to the car. Now it seems like um, Chambers said in the post game press conference that uh, he'll be starting from here on out. It's so it's his job at the point. And it's it's going to be on him. I was I was pretty impressed with his performance uh, out of anybody else's on that in that game. Um, you know, he he took over kind of at the end, um, was getting the line, made his made three to four free throws, which is excellent by comparison. Um, hit two of five threes, forty percent. Um, is is just showing an aggressiveness that you don't get from Wheeler, you don't get from, um, you get the dribble drive ability you get from from Bolton, you don't get from anybody else really. Bes- Besides Stevens and Reeves here and there, though he's been pretty turnover prone so far this year, um, so um, it's just going to have to be this team's going to ride and die with Rajir Bolton for better or worse. Um, you know, it, it's it's good he's getting his lumps in now because um, he'll be you know him and him and Dread will be the the soft the freshman to turn into the sophomore rather quickly, as the old adage goes. So, um, you know, it's 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 tough to see any immediate improvement um it's just going to be a gradual thing and um you know the way the big 10 is this year they may have already blown their chance to to get off to a good start and and put together that resume even though they have that virginia tech win just because i mean the next four big 10 opponents they'll face um starting with michigan in january they're going to be probably four ranked teams depending on how how, uh, nebraska is so um it's it's not uh i'm not in emergency you know 
break glass case emergency mode yet, but we're on the precipice because it's the Big Ten is just so daunting this year. Yeah, it's weird because there's a there, there's a very, very solid chance that Penn State starts 0-6 in Big Ten play. And then, like, Iowa, Minnesota, Rutgers, Purdue at home, Northwestern. Like, they can then win all those games, but 0-6 is just a really brutal hole, and that puts a taste in your mouth that, like, it's hard to get that out. For me, one thing that really sticks out about this team, uh, and I'll kind of let you guys toss us around if you uh, agree to one extent or another. It, it's not, it, it's weird because their highs are just so high. Like when they're at their best and they're able to do something like open up a game against Indiana on a 9-0 run, hold Indiana scoreless until the under, uh, you know, to the first media timeout, look like the better basketball team because, you know, fre- the freshmen are prone to doing really great stuff because they're really talented guys because I think there's probably a sense that with Mike Watkins, once he gets back to form, this team can take a step forward and get a little bit better. But it's also just prone to such lows that stem from things like, you know, Mike was only able to play 11 minutes against Indiana and, uh, you know, Josh Reeves, when he has bad nights, they're really bad nights just when it comes to scoring the ball, because he'll usually find other ways to contribute. Uh, Miles Dredd, we know how good of a shooter he is. He's also shooting 30% from three. Rasheer Bolton, we know how much fun he can be offensively when he's engaged, when he's able to get stuff going. He's also shooting 39% from the field. So do you guys kind of agree that like part of what makes this team so frustrating is that they show us how good they can be at their best moments, but they're also just so young and so uh, not there yet that it makes those low moments all that more, I don't want to say frust- maddening, frustrating might be the word I'm looking for. Yeah, I think that's definitely accurate. Um, you know, it's kind of been the MO of this program for a long time, except without the the highs. Um, but I want to get to your point about Watkins, too. Um, we should probably address that because, you know, we thought... No, Absolutely. I think everybody thought in the beginning when, when he came back, when he was announced he was going to be back for Virginia Tech, everybody thought, well, he'll be back. He'll be playing 30 minutes a night or whatever. And uh, back to, you know, the shot blocking, dunking, big guy we all know and love. Um, but for whatever reason, not knowing exactly the details of, you know, what Chambers' logic is here or whether Watkins is truly back to 100% health, healthy or in shape, um, you know, played 11 minutes against Indiana with – and recorded just one foul. So clearly something's not quite right with him yet. Um, I don't want to speculate on what that would be, but once they do get him back to full strength, I think this, you know, this is a top 10 defense with him playing sparingly or not at all in the early part of the season. Um, So there's certainly another level this team can reach on defense and, and, you know, and having him on offense too, is certainly a boost because, you know, you're not throwing alley-oops to John Harry. You're not throwing, um, play you know running plays for Trent Buttrick so much. Um, as much as I love Trent, uh, you know, so having a little bit of a post threat too, and it, and obviously having him as a shot blocker gives them another dimension, and which they you know there's just haven't really had yet. So, I mean, there we can get into the hope and hope discussion for the tournament and stuff later, but I mean, there's still another level of the scene to reach. It's just a matter of I don't know, are they running out of time? Do they have 
you know, the opportunities. I mean, they have the NC State game coming up in two weeks' time or so. Um, and they have the Alabama trip, which, you know, they're not that great, but it's still a road game against a major conference opponent. And then the Big Ten, obviously, is just so loaded with opportunities. Granted, they might be daunting. Um, so it's just a matter of do they have enough time to get everything right that they need to with Watkins and with the freshmen to and Josh Reeves to some extent too with his his turnover turnover issues and free throw shooting issues um, do they have time to get it right I, I would venture the guess right now is no because um, it, you know 0-2 starting the Big Ten is not great and then they have that real chance to start 0-6 uh, but we'll see. So uh, what was your larger point? I kind of just derailed the whole thing there. No, it's fine. I mean, the larger <laughs> point of like is what make what makes this first uh, these first eight games, the 0 and two record of big 10 play, the four and four record overall, the fact that like when we see their highs, we see that this is a tournament. Like when Penn State is, I don't think it's a stretch to say that when Penn State is playing at its best, it is a tournament caliber basketball team. but the issue is that is just so few and far between that like it like that makes this start a little bit worse and hurt a little bit more yeah i mean it's i mean i think chad sort of highlighted that's that's how they've been for you know a little while now is you know they have you know a a pretty high ceiling but they have such a wide range of outcomes with just the the types of players that they have that uh, you know, they, they don't, you know, pull it all together nearly enough. Um, you know, and you can say it's coaching, you can say it's recruiting, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, it just, it, it's hard to, you know, when you try to back up and take a bigger picture, it's hard to, you know, come up with, you know, a plan for how you would really address that sort of inconsistency because you can, you know, tweak a couple things here and there, but ultimately, you know, they sort of are what they are. And, um, you know, I think that's part of the frustration too, is that uh, not only do we, you know, not only are they inconsistent and not only do we know they're inconsistent, we also don't really know how to you get beyond that other than, you know, getting better players. And, you know, that's you know, just not really, you know, something that's, uh, you know, a, a, you know, something that they can really you know, break out of with where they are right now. You know, they, they kind of are at the level uh, that they are and, you know, just getting some, some breaks and, uh, you know, getting, uh, you know, getting some consistency, you know, hand in hand with that is really the only way, that they could, you know, you know, get beyond that, and there's no, just not really any obvious solution for it, uh, you know, for a team like this. Yeah, I mean, the good news is, I, I suppose, is that you would hope that as the season goes along, uh, receiver Bolton, the four, gets elevated a little bit with him because, you know, he's a freshman, he's learning, taking his licks, that sort of thing. Same with Miles Dread. I suppose maybe the same with Myron Jones, but. Uh, you know, outside of him turning into the best offensive player that's ever lived against Virginia Tech, uh, I think it's safe to say the expectation might be a little bit lower for him than the other two guys. And then plus with Mike Steve, Mike Watkins uh, getting back, I'm sorry, brain fart, hopefully that raises the floor a little bit too, but we're looking right now at a team that is four and 4-4 four that is starting from starting from the seller of the Big Ten 
now that the appetizer's out of the way, once the main course gets here, starting on January 3rd, uh, when they travel to Ann Arbor to take on a very, very good Michigan team, uh, how big of a problem, Chad, is it that when you look at this team right now, it is a 4-4 four and four basketball team? Just on that, like, I don't want to get into, you know, if a few things bounce this way, they're a 8-0 basketball team or whatever. Just the fact that Penn State right now is a 4-4 four and four team with an 0-2 mark in conference play. It's uh, potentially devastating for their hopes for the postseason. Uh, um, you know, if, if they were 1-1 one one in the Big Ten, 5-3 overall, I would just, I mean, I would feel a lot better about their chances yep. um, to make any noise. Um, and, and it's frustrating, too, because the performances are there. Like, they're not, you know, if, you, if you're into Kempom stats, like, they're not falling that far. Um, they started the season, um, what were they ranked, 30, 34th or something like that. And now they're at, down to 38th, which is not a very precipitous drop or anything. Um, 31st is started at 38 right now. Um, so that tells you that, like, you know, they're not playing up to their potential or what people projected they would be necessarily. But this is still, like, a very, you know, they're in range uh, of they're tracking, like, a tournament team. Um, or at least somebody that would be on, a team that would be on the bubble at least. So... Um, it's just a matter of, you know, a couple bounces here and there. I mean, they got some bounces in the Virginia Tech game, though. So, um, I mean, they they played well against Maryland, I thought, defensively especially. Um, Indiana, again, played well defensively, so they had that foundation. It's just a matter of getting, um, you know, those bounces on offense, hitting some free throws. Um, but as far as, as far as the resume goes... Um, a win against North Carolina on next Saturday would be very helpful. Um, but, I mean, again, it's all going to come down to Big Ten play, and the Big Ten is just so tough this year. They don't have – they have one game that would be – a or two games, excuse me, that would be um, non-quadrant two games, I think, this year, um, which would be Rutgers and Illinois at home, both of whom are not terrible. I mean, Rutgers went down to Miami and won, so um, – the- this is it's going to be this is probably going to be his biggest challenge in the Big Ten um, that he's had since he's been here with a roster that can compete. Um, and we'll we'll see what they're made of. Basically, we'll see if they fold like they did. in uh, the last time we won the NIT the year after we you know went two and 16 in the Big Ten, I believe. Um, I'm not predicting that by any stretch, but I mean, we'll see this. This is a very tough Big Ten. Yeah, Dan, kind of the same question for you. How big of a problem is it that Penn State is sitting at four and four right now? And Chad said potentially devastating, and I'd say if, if your metric is them making the tournament, I think they're done. I don't think that there's – barring, you know, Mike Watkins, you know, getting completely, uh, you know, uh, game ready and, you know, as good as you would expect, to, you know, a guy of his talent in his redshirt junior year by the time they start Big Ten play, barring, you know, in addition to that, Josh Reeves sort of, you know, getting right, barring in addition to that, you know, Roger Bolton and, you know, Miles Dredd and, you know, taking a step up as conference play begins. I don't see any path for them to, to eclipse, you know, even eight wins in the Big Ten. Um, you know, I, I, I was just sort of, you know, going over the schedule, you know, last night, uh, you know, in the second half and you know, just looking at it and just saying, you know, I, I really don't see much of a, much of a path there for them to, uh, 
to be able to you know put anything together for any you know any stretch of time in that that schedule there and i you know they're you know they're probably going to enter big 10 play with a winning record i think colgate uh, duquesne and umbc are are extremely winnable games and you know there's a, there's a lot more going wrong if they drop any of those but i think they got tough games with nc state and atlantic city and with, with alabama uh, on the road you know i think uh, you know it it seems you know most likely that they're going to start Big Ten play probably seven and six, and then you guys have mentioned you know their first four games brutal, and it's not like the next two games are you know you know real easy either. I mean home against Iowa, and then on the road uh, against Minnesota, you know their their first quote unquote gimme game of the season in, in the Big Ten schedule really doesn't come until that home game against Rutgers, and at that point you know that's going to be. You know, the what the you know, eighth or ninth game of the Big Ten you know season. So, um, you know, I think they're probably done, uh, and it's not just because you know they've got a couple of you know tough losses in the schedule. I think it's because you know I, you sort of said at the top of the show, Bill. Now we know what this team is, and it, it, that this doesn't look like a tournament team to me. You mentioned you know the the um, you know they they have the uh, talent. Uh, you know, when, when everything comes together, that makes them look like a tournament team. But, uh, you know, without, you know, anything resembling any sort of consistency, uh, you know, this, you know, there's just nothing in these first eight games, even the Virginia Tech win. You know, I would, I would even say that that was a good win. Um, you know, but that was the example of the game where they played, you know, like some of these other losses where they got bounces. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say that, you know, even in that game, that didn't look like a tournament team to me. That looked like, a, you know, a, a a team that can play spoiler in the Big Ten, but not really much more than that. Yeah, I mean, even in the Virginia Tech game, like I'm not going to say that Penn State actively tried to give it away down the stretch, but it got really hairy towards the end with uh, some missed free throws and some opportunities that Virginia Tech wasn't able yeah, to take I mean, advantage I, I th- of. I think I'd say you know just you know they they won and it, that's a that's a high quality win, but they didn't play well. It was not a game in which they played particularly well. It was it was kind of remarkable that they they were able to pull that one out. And it was you know more, you know you hate to put it this way, but it was kind of more you know Virginia Tech you know blowing some chances down the stretch than it was Penn State you know really you know showing up and and taking down a, a top team. Yeah, I, I oh, go ahead, Chad. I was just gonna say. I mean, the the optimist case here is that. Um, two things: the switches can flip, as we saw last year when Josh Reeves came back from his suspension. Um, how much of a different team they were, and they had everybody clicking on all cylinders. Um, I don't know if the potential is there with this team for that kind of thing yet. And the second thing I wanted to mention is, you know, that this is the curse, and the um, it's like a two-sided coin with the Big Ten that it is so tough. You know, the, the fact that it is so tough, like. Obviously, it's going to be very hard to win a lot of games. But if they do, they're all they're going to look very impressive and potentially, you know, if they if they, you know, maybe win this NC State game or you know go undefeated the rest of the non-conference and they go say nine and eleven in the Big Ten, that you know that could potentially be good enough to get in the tournament um, because the league is so strong and they will have you know a couple of good wins on their non-conference resume. Um, so that's I'm not saying that's what I'm thinking is going to happen or anything, but that is the optimist case for them I think not with being the, dead yet. I think with the comparison to Reeves, though, I think you, you look at last year is Reeves was out for, what, four games? And two, that is... I thought. Was oh, it wait, Reeves? no, no, he... Yeah, sorry, he came off the when bench he was suspended. two when he came back. My bad. 
Yeah, it was, it was like four games, and those four games were the difference between them making the tournament and not. Right. And, you know, Watkins was out four five and has been limited in the last three, and they've already got four losses, a couple ones that, you know, were games that they should have won and probably would have won with Watkins with, into Paul and Bradley. Mm-hmm. And a game, you know, with Indiana where a, a fully functioning Watkins probably, you know, makes a difference in, in what ended up being a two-point game as well, you know. The the you know taking that same thing and not trying to just you know play pessimist to optimist but you know it's you know all it took was Reeves being out for four and Watkins has missed more time already you know it might already be over you know, the same way that Reeves had it over last year. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, that that was kind of the one thing that was in my mind throughout the. De- I mean, the main thought on my mind during the DePaul game was that you know, Rashir Bolton was, you know, he had the freshman game, like the game that you expect out of a freshman. He had an O rating of four. Like, it was just It not, was one of the yeah. worst basketball games I've ever seen uh, an individual player, uh, you know, play. Um, yeah. and, and it's not, you know, <clears throat> I think it, part of it was that it was them leaving him out there so long. Like, yeah. usually when a guy, especially a freshman, looks like that, you got a pretty quick hook, and that's you know another part of the problem is just they they're, they're and and that was I I wrote about that in the recap the the point guard play in that game was putrid and that's part of the problem is that they're relying so heavily on Rob Bolden and uh, Miles Dredd because uh, you know they have uh, on, on their only upperclassman in the backcourt is a guy in Jamari Wheeler that they just can't rely on. You know, he's just not an effective offensive player, really, in in any way. You know, he, he's he gets some steals. Um, he you know makes some hustle plays and gets some rebounds. He had a, he had a couple instances of that. Uh, you know, in the Indiana game, but he's just he hasn't developed at all on offense. His his passing, his shooting, his you know his ability to score. He, you know, it's just uh, you know it it leaves you know Bolton and Dredd in some really tough spots. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just you know, that just thinking about that, you know, uh, you then you and then to have Bolton play really well in the Indiana game and have it not make a difference because they couldn't hit any free throws. It's just like how many opportunities are you going to have to, uh, you know, to have a game from Bolton like that and, you know, be in a close game and then not win it. You know, it's just, you know, the, the, the you know, time is you know really ticking with this team and uh, unless they have an almost unprecedented uh, you know, you know, you know, array of people stepping up here. Uh, you know, as they as they get into Big Ten play, you know, it's really just impossible for me to see being any. Yeah, and what I was, I I'm glad you went on that aside, Dan. Because it was something that I'm glad one of us said. But like what I was saying with DePaul and Bradley was, it was so frustrating watching those games, knowing like I certainly felt that if Mike played in either of them, those are going to be wins, and Penn State's entering that Virginia Tech game with a 5-0 record and 6-0 out of it, and then I don't know if that gives them a wave of momentum into Maryland and Indiana that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Uh, I don't know. Well, Mike certainly isn't playing 11 minutes against Indiana because, you know, still working to get him back, and the Maryland, he was in foul trouble or whatever, but... I like the comparison to those 
handful of games last year where Josh Reeves wasn't on the floor. Uh, the games against, uh, I, was it Northwestern, Indiana, Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, or was it uh, just Northwestern once in there? Either way, they lost three of those games. If they go, if Josh is on the floor for that four-point loss to Indiana, or you know maybe that nine-point loss to Northwestern, maybe the fortunes are a little bit different, and it's so hard to look at this team now and not think that if they had Mike Watkins against two uh, teams outside of the top 100 in Ken Palm, they would be in a much better position. They would be a team that has a little bit of hype and a little bit of optimism around them. Instead, we're having conversations about a 4-4 four and four record. I mean, Chad, what are some, j- just to head back to you a bit, what are some thoughts, you, if there's anything you want to add to what we've said, uh, expand on anything we just said, you know, anything along those lines? Um, not particularly. I guess just that, yeah, having Watkins back, um, you know, f- healthy and ready to go for the start of the season. I, I mean, well, to say not having him there um, has been a huge, huge detriment to everything they want to do. Um, and, and not having him there for that Cancun trip especially is kind of the dagger. Um and, you know, and if they win one Big Ten game, obviously, you know, then in that case, then they're they're right on the precipice. They're probably, you know, on you'll be sitting pretty for the bubble at least. So, um, and, and I will say the Big Ten, you know, nine and nine last year, the, the way they finished, um, it was a weak Big Ten too. This is not, you know, that conference last year was not particularly impressive. Um, so that kind of worked against them. And, and um, you know, if they do manage to get Watkins back, and they are the team. Uh, that's you know comparable to what we saw last year when Reeves came back for the Ohio State game, and then from there on out, um, then maybe we're talking here. But I, I yeah, like, like you know, like Dan said, it, it's tough to see that now because the point guard play, um, in addition to getting Watkins back to his full self, is going to need to be um, you know a, a vastly improved because Wheeler and Bolton so far have not have not cut it. And I'm skeptical of the idea that you know beating. You know, a couple more wins against middling, you know, out of conference teams would do much in terms of building momentum. I mean, I just think back to four years ago when they were what twelve and one coming out of out of conference, and then immediately right. dropped the first six, you know, conference games. I think, you know, the you know having, uh, I think just with this team the way that it is, I I don't I don't see that you know those two wins you know moving the needle right. that much. We'd be I think we'd be in a position right now where we could say it's not over. Um, but we'd be you know, a little they, less somber. You know, that we'd be a little less somber, but we'd be terrified of the zero and six start. Still, I think just now it's like the the zero and six conference start feels not inevitable, but definitely most likely scenario, and that's that's a problem that I think you know that 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 is really what they are they're in now is that they've left so little margin for error that they have to get wins against. You know, against teams that you know they should, they're not going to be favored against, you know, and do it pretty quickly. That you know, it 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 it's just a really tough position to be in. Yeah, that that twelve and one team, the team that went twelve and one with DJ Newbill. Um, I mean, they, that, the difference there is that team didn't play anybody worth a damn. I mean, George George Washington was the, their best non-conference win, like the biggest game they played until January essentially, um, and they won handily. But like, you know, that are they who are they? Who they lose to that year? Even Charlotte, double overtime. That's right, it was Charlotte. God damn that game. Um, One hundred six to ninety seven. Right. So my larger point here, I mean, they 
they've been tested. You know, that, that Virginia Tech win is just kind of it's very uh if not misleading a little, just like teasing everybody because you know that's the kind of they can win again against a team like that. You know they're capable. I I have no no you know I didn't look up anything to mm-hmm. back it up, but if you were to look at Ken Palm, I'll bet there's more than one season in the Chambers era where they have as many, if not more, tier A wins than they do tier B wins. Like they're just a weird team where. They're going to lose yeah. some games that they absolutely shouldn't lose. They're going to beat some teams they absolutely shouldn't beat. And then they just don't build up enough of that sort of middle ground there where they get some quality wins against similar opponents. It's just an – this program's so weird. <laughs> that that yeah. might be uh, the slogan for Penn State basketball once they uh, decide to get rid of the climb in – yeah, probably never. They're, they're going to stick with the climb forever. Uh, man, the, man, I hate the climb. <laughs> Click, click. Uh, did boom. we did we talk about that last year? I can't even remember if we. I know I know we talked about it like amongst ourselves, but I can't remember if we talked about the climb on the podcast. It's so bad. It's, it's so just, bad. It's such an obvious attempt to shoehorn the trust the process thing into yep. you know, a similar type of slogan, but also co-opting the sort of slogan the Sixers used to have. When the you know of uh, you know you know of like together we build and that sort of thing that's supposed to be meant for a team that sucks, and this is, <laughs> this team's like like won the NIT last year and it's supposed to be like fighting for relevancy on the bubble of the NCAA tournament, and you've got a slogan for like oh we're you know we're looking at thirteenth you know, in the Big Ten again, like what the fuck? <laughs> this summer was the was the time to change the slogan. I yeah, yeah, and they, they did. It's now instead of it's, it isn't trust the climb new, wasn't it? Like, it was last year too. I, I could have climb. Yeah, it's it's all bad. It last, was all no, right. last year was climbing. Last year was like. It, it, I mean, it's it's not, the there's not one thing. I don't think. I think it's the climb concept that it is because right. I think last year it was like keep climbing or something like that. Like it, it's, it's it's uh, yeah, awful, <laughs> just terrible. Because it really is. It really is just like, okay, we're, you know, it's one of those, like, we admit that we're really bad, but hey, you know, we can, we're going to show signs of life kind of slogan. It's like, you're, you're just, you have the slogan of like what people who aren't paying attention think Penn State would have because they think that you're still, you know, three and 17 in the Big Ten. You know, it'd be great if there was no need for a slogan at all. You don't see these other programs, like, you know, North Carolina, Duke, yada, yada, yada. They don't have like cheap marketing gimmicks. They don't, they don't need that stuff. Hold on, I've got it. <laughs> we are. Oh, wow. <laughs> How about that? It's genius. That, you're, hi- you're hired. Like, we are Penn State. Like that, and suddenly, like, it's a big unifying... I think that, I think that could work as a slogan. What do you guys think? Um, listen, you might be onto something there. I'll be 100%. Oh. I only have, like, a secondary uh, understanding of marketing, but I, I think that has potential. I just you- looked it up. Marshall already has that one. Ah, <laughs> damn. Um, I don't, I don't know. Can oh, you can, know who else has it? Fox Sports actually. They say, "Oh we yeah, are we Fox are Fox Sports." <laughs> yeah, I remember. Now that, that I now I'm realizing this seems kind of derivative. <laughs> what if uh they just played the song "Click Click Boom" by Sublime? Uh, not Sublime by Saliva. Wow. <laughs> Bill, you <laughs> sound like somebody who hasn't been in the arena this year because I have some good news for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So now that that's out of the way, uh, I didn't like the like the first televised game at the Bryce Jordan Center this year. That was like the first in arena song. We spent we spent so much time joking about it, but they really do play that song 
all the time. Every time out. Every time out. Yeah. It's unreal. It's, I mean, if, I, you know what? I'm just going to put the extra, like, 30 seconds of effort in and make the click, click, boom thing. The uh, That's going to be the theme song for the podcast all year for as long as we do this. Please don't do that. Please do <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't even we... really that happy that you did it in the first episode. <laughs> now, if, now, if you re-recorded it, and this, I hope the Penn State doesn't steal this idea, but if you re-recorded it and replaced "click click boom" with "climb climb climb," <laughs> turn the pod and the podcast now. I'm uh, saying that then, then it's something we can get on board with because <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna go bad, you really need to just like dive in head first and and you know and go all the way uh, and you know trying to combine that that awful song with that awful slogan. I think uh, I think that could turn the season around. Honestly, yeah, I, I I would rather we spend uh, that money and time and allocation of resources to getting Eric out of the well, but that I suppose that works too. Uh, do we? Do you guys want to talk Pat and his future and that kind of thing, or do you? Uh, no, you don't. I I, th- I don't think we need to litigate that now. I think we can litigate that. Uh, that oh, but I do want to mention one thing now that you bring up uh, the head coach of Penn State basketball, Patrick Chambers. That uh, he's uh, the shot doctor, <laughs> as Kevin Kugler informed us on the Indiana broadcast. The the shot doctor. Uh, because he went to uh, Philadelphia University, formerly uh, Philadelphia Textile. Actually, it's not even Philadelphia University. It's now called Jefferson University. They they rebranded again. But long story short, that's where pa- Patrick Chambers played his college basketball, and they called him the shot doctor, uh, according to both Kevin Kugler and Sean Morris. Um, now, one thing to note about that, uh, he's been the coach of Penn State for, this is his eighth season. <laughs> I would ask I would ask you, uh, Bill and Chad, as literally probably two of the world's leading uh, most experts on Penn State basketball, and that's not an exaggeration because how many people care? But have you ever in in eight years heard anybody ever refer to Patrick Chambers as the shot doctor? No, not not only have I never heard uh, Pat referred to as the shot doctor, it's my understanding that he was a terrible shooter in college. Yeah, he was uh, like a pass first point guard wasn't he yes he was uh, yeah now let let me let me tell you what actually happened here kevin kugler had some game notes and I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do uh, you know beat around the bush here He's when they bring up this, so when ahead, they bring yeah. up broadcasters to uh to state college to broadcast a basketball game at bryce jordan center it's not the most effort that they put <laughs> in the prep for the game <laughs> He had game notes, and the game notes told him that, uh, you know, and he read about five words in the game notes, and it was played basketball, Philadelphia, shot doctor. Now, Pat Chambers had a coach at, uh, at when he played at Textile, uh, a rather famous coach, actually, the all-time leader in uh, wins in college basketball, <laughs> Herb McGee. <laughs> Who is actually known as the shot doctor? <laughs> so there, um, this is you know. Let me put it this way: this would be if Mike Breen went on to do a, a, a Lakers game and said that Luke Walton was known as the Zen Master. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically like a guy played for another guy who actually was like well known and had this nickname for this specific thing. 
you know, it, 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 it was, a, it was a bit of a miss by Kevin Kugler. Now, you know, I don't know how many people even noticed he made this error <laughs> and, I, and, you know, so, but it, it's so astounding to me to get something that, that wrong that I just felt the need to, to uh, make note and of it here. You know what the crazy thing, like, do you remember in the 2016 big 10 title game when like, for no reason at all, Gus Johnson thought it would be cool to refer to Trace McSorley as the wizard for four quarters. And, like, it, that's just a nickname that no one has ever called Trace. Like, at least there, Gus was, like, trying to put forth a narrative of, like, the whole return to Camelot nonsense. Here, it's literally what you just described. Like, they got some wires crossed or they did some really, like, half-assed research into it. And they decided that Pat Chambers, the coach of the team that would go on to shoot 11 for 26 on free throws in that game deserve to be viewed as the shot doctor. And the, the irony for me was like, you mentioned her McGee when I was a kid and I was living in upstate New York. I went to basketball camp at Syracuse and Jim Beheim was actually like friends and would bring in someone named Ernie Hobie, who was the shot doctor to the point that like, he had an instructional video where he taught you how to shoot and was called the shot doctor. So I thought maybe there was some kind of connection to him. Like, no, it was just, they were bored and they decided that this was what Pat was going to be nicknamed. And like, I'm all for calling Pat the shot doctor now because we're far enough down this rabbit hole that there's just no coming out ever. But it's, I, I, I oh. feel like this Ernie Hobie guy may have been somebody doing an impersonation of Herb McGee because Herb McGee has a bunch of videotapes in which he's called the Shot Doctor. Well, I, Ernie I, I Hobie, feel, I feel like this is upstate New York. Uh, well, Ernie Hobie uh, is the original Shot Doctor. No, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree because first of all, Herb McGee's very old. Uh, Ernie Hobie Herb is dead. Well, well. <laughs> some, some young people, uh, you know, have, have a rough go at, of things. In 2013, he died at age 83. Okay, so he's a little bit older than Herb McGee. Herb McGee's 77 <laughs> right now. But but also, you mentioned, uh, you know, Trace McSorley getting getting a weird name. Uh, why is it, what is it with highly distressed men feeling the need to give Trace McSorley weird <laughs> <laughs> There's a man earlier this season who's been having an aneurysm pretty much every moment of his life for the last 11 months. Just called him War Daddy at one point. <laughs> it's it's, it's be quickly becoming a trend. I don't know. Uh, if you have a nickname for Trace McSorley that uh, makes it sound like you need to be institutionalized, please tweet at us because we would love to hear it. Um, I need to call some of the EMTs that took me off of the street with my face broken and a concussion to find out <laughs> if I also assessed the nickname to Trace McSorley. I could have in the throes of uh, post-concussion syndrome uh, given him another one. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're done here. Do you guys agree? Hold on. Wait. I got one more thing. <laughs> Speaking of uh, – This is the best Kevin content Cooper. we've had the whole time. We, we had 45 <laughs> minutes of – Woe is me, Penn State baseball. Let's keep this part of it going a little bit at least. All right, yeah. I was, I was going to mention, did you hear uh, at the end, towards the end of the, of the game uh, against Indiana, uh, Kugler and, and Sean Morris were like talking about the free throw disparity. And for some reason, Sean Morris said, he came up with this one liner. He's like, Penn State wishes they were shooting like Jerry West, but they're shooting, they're shooting like Adam, Adam West. West. <laughs> 
it out I, you know what? I didn't. I heard him do that, but I didn't hear what like, the second one was, and I was like, he didn't say Adam West because it wouldn't make any sense. He did, and then Kevin Kugler said, "Rest in peace, Batman." <laughs> I swear to God, it happened. Uh, what, it, I mean, if they were like making a joke that a bunch of de- a dead person can shoot free throws better than Penn State, like. That's very much my humor, and I would have enjoyed that immensely, but, like, is there recorded evidence of Adam West ever shooting a free throw? Like, Yeah, that that, that part doesn't make sense. And I also want to, you know, you, you, Chad brings up the point of the broadcasters. We, we've had some bricks for Penn State in this game. Was it the Virginia Tech game where they had, like, the, ESPN's you know, like you, you talk about the, the A crew, the B crew. They had about the... the you know, X crew going there for the ESPNU broadcast. And these these two people, just every single play, they were like, oh, that should be a flagger one on Penn State. And they, <laughs> you know, they might need to look at it for a flagger two, to be honest. And it'd be like, and, and somehow the refs would just go along with <laughs> yeah, it. The exactly. The one they did, yeah. They were viewed like four plays. They gave out at a flagrant or two. And they were like, there were like legitimately like four other plays that they didn't even go to a replay where they were like, you know, I think one was just like somebody set a screen or something, and they were like, I think they should have looked at that for a flagger. And I was like, what? <laughs> if I remember, they, I feel like they had bad broadcasters for the DePaul game, but I don't remember just because everything happens at once. Like, too many things happen in 2018, so stuff get like pushed from my brain too easily. But I feel like the broadcast group for DePaul also had like one or two stinkers and i'm not 100 well, sure why you're, you're so you're saying fox sports one would not send their a broadcast crew to, to call a penn state DePaul basketball game um well listen we all have our priorities I mean, the nerve of fs1 we all have our priorities. we are we're only believe it or not we're only nine months removed from penn state being broadcast by jim nance <laughs> <sighs> what happened uh that was wild. I can't believe that that happened. And that may never happen again. It may, it may never be a good broadcaster in a Penn State game ever again. It was seven years between Jim Nance called games between uh, the game against Michigan State in 2011 and then uh, the Purdue game last year. So 2025. 20, uh, we'll see you again, Jim Nance. Well, it, it's almost like uh, just think of everything this program has had in the last however many months between like that and for exactly, like, 22 hours boasting the longest winning streak in all of college basketball. And now we're on, like, minute nine at the end of a 55-minute Penn State basketball podcast just riffing. Yeah, we can probably end it now. Yeah. I think we've, we've done enough this, damage. This program is just weird, man. But we will continue to trust the climb. Uh, we will mm. continue. We'll continue to watch Penn State play basketball, and we'll continue to talk about uh, it. Well, we'll continue to watch Penn State. Well, play no, I, I mean I will continue to uh, illegally stream it because I my cable package does not have the Big Ten Network. Yeah, well, so you know it'll be. I'm I'm just going to bring that run out in the open right now. Is uh, you know BTN, y- you blew it. <laughs> so yeah, so if you're a federal agent who works on that, listening to our podcast, please uh, don't come after Dan. He's been through a lot over the last few weeks. Uh, I mean, the federal agents are, are on to us now after I blew up the whole Greg Gard thing in the last one. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. We always appreciate it. Uh, always appreciate when y'all are liking us and uh, 
following us on the various social media channels. Please keep reading and supporting the site. As for the podcast, subscribe on all the podcast platforms that you've heard me rant about a million times. Uh, make sure you head over to iTunes, leave us a review. Always appreciate that, and always, we appreciate you. Thank you one last time for listening. For Dan Smith, for Chad Markulix, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone.